0: This episode of Insights is brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca. Welcome to this episode of the Insights Podcast. I'm Don
1: Mills. And I'm David Campbell.
0: David, we had a very interesting conversation with uh, Wendy Luther, the CEO of the Halifax Partnership, which just got their five-year and a new five-year strategy approved by the Halifax Council this past Monday. So this is a really timely uh, conversation. The thing that, you know, I'm a big fan, obviously, of the Halifax Partnership. I was involved early in, in its formation, but the one thing that uh, I think people uh, should uh, take note of is the fact that the model is quite different from other economic development agencies in Canada frankly and um, that, those differences are seem to be making quite a difference in their success uh, don't you think
1: yeah I think so I mean I think having those hundred plus private sector investors uh, sitting on the board providing leadership along with the municipality and the provincial and federal government I think that is uh, as we discuss in the in the conversation, there can be some complexities around that, but it does seem to be working quite well in terms of a governance model, and it does bring credibility because the private sector is putting money on the table to support the efforts of the Halifax Partnership.
0: And that was the that was the goal from the uh, formation of the partnership uh, more than twenty five years ago now, if you can believe it. Um, but uh, Wendy also mentioned something else that sometimes I forget about and. You know, when you have uh, the, the public sector and the private sector, including the education sector, which is a, an important uh, component, all around the same table talking together on a regular basis, uh, that's a strategic advantage to any community because, you know, everybody knows kind of what everybody else is doing. Uh, there's a lot more synergy in the planning, a lot more uh, collaboration uh, in, in, in strategy. And I just think that that makes a big difference. And it seems to have made quite a difference in Halifax.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. So really, it's an ecosystem. It's a it's it's a right. bunch of different organizations that are involved, and if one falls down or two, you know, it can it can impact the whole system. So having them all in the room playing a role, I think you're right. I think it does lead to better. It should lead to better outcomes moving forward. And I've been a big advocate of of an, of an ecosystem approach where these organizations are working together. And in Halifax, that sort of all comes through the partnership.
0: A couple of other things. Obviously, this is a metric-driven organization. This is one of the differences that uh, that I think is important about the partnership. They, they're held accountable to results. And uh, this is my com- big complaint about many, many economic development agencies in the region. You know, they just don't have any outcomes that they're being held uh, accountable for. So we don't know what we're really getting for the money that's being spent. Uh, so that's a big difference. And, and, but their strategy, I think, uh, is important in a couple of new ways. From the past, uh, first of all, they they have they have uh, looked at diversity uh, in a very concrete way by bringing uh, uh, African Nova Scotians into the strategy for the first time. And uh, I watched the launch of the strategy on Monday, and uh, there was a there was a, a definite component uh, for Black Nova Scotians in a strategy to help give them a hand up. As part of the overall strategy, I think that that's a really important message um, uh, for our community and for other communities to make sure that uh, you know uh, minority groups are, are part of the planning process and part of the strategy. So I congratulate them uh, on that, uh, you know, a lot. The other thing that I uh, that I'm really pleased about is that they're focused on a goal of well-being for living and working in our city. Uh, I know that other cities are, are are looking at that measure, including Moncton and St. John, I believe. I think it's an important one because like if people aren't happy with living where they are, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? So I, I think the, the the measure of well-being, which will be done through surveys, I guess, to to take uh, a measure of that uh, that important metric, I think is an important addition to their strategy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> I think you're right. And we've talked in the past about how, fast-growing cities uh, can result in a population backlash if they're not seeing the benefits of that so i think focusing on well-being is an important thing i also like the the fact that she talked about this rise of mid-sized urban centers in canada after 2008 uh, academics like edward glazer and richard florida were convinced that only the biggest urban centers in north america were going to succeed it was going to be all about agglomeration uh, and they turned out to be wrong, you know, these smaller urban centers that can offer the benefits of a large center, but without a lot of the, the hassle, high costs and, and long commute times, things like that, they're arising across country, across Canada, London, Ontario is doing very, very well, Halifax is doing very, very well, Moncton uh, uh, was uh, the, one of the fastest growing cities in Canada. Uh, in the last census period, so I think the rise of the mid-sized urban center is a story across the country, and Halifax is a great example of what's happening.
0: And just to put a point on it, you know, the the major sort of uh, population increase in Halifax has happened only over the last five or six years. It, it it really started five or six years ago, where the focus was on population growth, and it 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 shows you the difference it makes when you when you when you set a goal. Uh, Halifax is attracting. Uh, 10,000 people a year you know uh the target by 2037 is to have 650,000 people living in the city well it's not too hard if you're if you're cracking out 10,000 a year it won't uh, won't take much to get to that point point. they just have to keep steady and and attracting people and the other point that i just want to make finally on this uh, population thing is that we're attracting young people this reverses decades of out migration of our young people we're not not only keeping our young people but young people from elsewhere are discovering that Halifax uh, gives you the kind of balance of life that uh, young millennials especially value. And uh, they're coming, they're not just coming to Halifax, obviously, but to other smaller uh, communities, urban communities across of Canada. And that's great news for this region. Absolutely. So with that uh, quick introduction, here's our conversation with Wendy Luther, the CEO of the Halifax Partnership. Enjoy. Wendy, welcome to the podcast.
2: Welcome, Don and David. Delighted to be here.
0: We always like to begin by learning more about the people that we're talking to. We'd like to find out a little bit about your background. Can you tell us about your path to your current role as CEO of the Halifax Partnership, Wendy?
2: Yeah, thanks, Don. So I moved to Halifax from my hometown of Vancouver in 2001.
0: Do you mean Um, you're a come from away? What?
2: uh, Am and I am here in Halifax by choice. Yeah, uh, me too. And, <laughs> see? <laughs> I'm among great company and uh, in a previous career in my in my mid 20s I was a sailing coach which is how I ended up meeting my my now husband and and moving to Halifax from Vancouver. And when I landed here in my mid 20s and I I didn't really know anyone. Uh, in a part of my networking, I had an audience with Fred McGilvery, who at the time was president and CEO of Trade Center Limited. And Fred asked me, you know, if I waved my magic wand, what would I do? And I'd been working in advertising in Vancouver, but my answer to him was I wanted to work in international business, but I had no business working in international business. But just very serendipitously, um, a role opened up at Trade Center as a trade consultant, and I competed for that role and and was successful. So my kind of career ju- journey here over the last 21 years was from Trade Center to Nova Scotia Business Inc., uh, where I was a trade consultant responsible for um, export uh, in services for the province of Nova Scotia and, uh, worked very closely with our development banks, World Bank and the Inter-American Development Bank, most, spe- uh, most specifically, and uh, moved from there to, uh, be present CEO of Edgenova, which is our province's, uh, organization that promotes international education, which is one of our top exports for Nova Scotia. And from there, moved to join Halifax Partnership shortly before the pandemic hit in uh, in the spring of 2019.
0: Yeah, so an interesting background, especially the international business part, uh, important for uh, for this region, obviously, to look at other markets. Uh, for your uh, disclosure purposes, I wanted to mention that I was involved in the founding of the partnership and served on the board, including a term as chair of the board. So I've got a bit of a bias. I'd admit that up front, Wendy, <laughs> for anybody listening but the Halifax Partnership is a really different model than most uh, economic development uh, agencies in the region. I think it's been successful because of those differences. Can you tell our listeners how the partnership is different?
2: We have a a relatively unique model as a public-private economic development organization. So we're funded by All three orders of government. We are essentially the economic development arm of Halifax Regional Municipality, but we also receive considerable support and collaboration of the province and the federal government. But we are also funded by over 100 private sector companies and post-secondary institutions. We refer to them as our investors. We have 106 of them currently, and they have real skin in the game They fund us year over year over year. Um, They govern us in terms of their position on our boards and various committees, but they also contribute greatly to our general thought leadership. They're the closest to the ground. They're our largest employers, so they're giving real-time inputs, and in many cases, in fact, we stand up programming together with them, um, which I believe adds great value there are a lot of stakeholders in our space, and it's certainly a lot of um, a lot of uh, key stakeholders to, to manage. Say in my role, but I truly believe that we come out with a better product as a result. We can do our work as an economic development agency that much more effectively because of the skin in the game that our private sector has in making sure that we're successful and making sure that we continue to be relevant over our past 25 and now we're coming into our 26th year.
1: So Wendy, you talked about the role of the private sector and, the, and your, your investors. Uh, what is the current budget for the partnership and what's your headcount?
2: So our budget, depending on the year and where we are in the project cycle, because a lot of our work is essentially direct flow through to, to assisting companies and talent get settled here, depending on the year, we're between $5 million and $6 million a year total budget. Uh, and our headcount um, is around 30 to 35 persons, depending on uh, the delivery requirements of that
1: year. So one of the challenges of your model, it would seem, is that you have a bunch of different um, shareholders and you report to a board of directors, but you also said you're the arm or the economic development arm of the municipality. The board is mostly private sector uh, with some representation from the public sector. So it's a bit of an unusual governance model. How do you how do you keep that all straight? How do you report to a board, but also report to a municipal government? And what are the benefits of that model, in your opinion?
2: So I think we're very lucky in that we have um, both the mayor, the CAO of Halifax Regional Municipality on our board, along with two municipal councillors. So HRM is very well represented. Then we also have the province represented at the deputy minister level um, on our board, along with the vice president of ACOA here in our province. So that is a you know, a very strong and senior representation from our government partners. And uh, then for the 12 of elected director positions that are private sector and post-secondary sector representatives, um, they bring such a unique lens. And I feel it's a, it's an incredible opportunity at, you know, through our board structure and through our meetings and our committee meetings for these different groups to be learning from each other. So not only are they there to govern our organization, they're there to get richness and knowledge and learn from these incredible leaders from different sectors and through orders of government that they can take back into their own organizations. So the governance model works, and we are at this moment in time where all of these different players are pulling together in terms of sharing that vision for where our municipality needs to go uh, and that certainly does contribute to to a very very positive and proactive board dynamic
0: I, I think when uh, you know just a, as an aside I think that that's a really important point um, that you bring up uh, Wendy the integration of public and private s- side, uh, sector thinking uh, on economic development in the same room is very unique, <laughs> very unusual. And it kind of breaks down some of the barriers that usually exist between the two sectors. So I think that that's something that maybe people don't realize the value of that public-private model is in terms of bringing all the thinking about what everybody's doing in the same room at the same time. So that's a, that's a big deal, obviously. Uh, our listeners may not know this fact, but the partnership was actually formed prior to the amalgamation in Halifax. Uh, at the time, the four municipalities each had their own, often frankly, competing economic development activities. Um, uh, I remember I was on the Chamber of Commerce at the time, and 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 the big fight was where the, where they were going to locate the Price Club. I remember that between the four municipalities. Can you imagine? Anyway, that got the that got the Chamber involved in advocating for a single agency. And and honestly, I don't know how, how it actually happened, but it, it happened before municipalities agreed uh, to do that. Uh, and uh, we, we've been better ever since. But, you know, uh, how has the municipality, which includes both rural and, and uh, urban communities and covers a geography that's larger than Prince Edward Island, Uh, how has the uh, municipality benefited from the work of the partnership? I'm especially focused on not just the urban part, but the non-urban part, which is, you know, often a secondary thought.
2: Yeah. So we're incredibly unique here in HRM because of that rural suburban urban mix. And in fact, it forms a key part of our value proposition in this ex- economic strategy that was just approved by mayor and council last week in that we can attract and retain talent and business from such kind of a wide swath of lens because we have s- such a kind of a variety of assets within the same u- municipality. We within HRM have the largest rural population of uh, of any county in Nova Scotia, really the largest rural population of any major municipality in Canada, really because of geography. So our challenge is how do we capitalize on that unique set of assets and we're, in part, for our investment attraction work, we're able to attract companies here within HRM that, that can't go to other major municipalities. They just do not have that ocean resource or that land base. But we can still, in our urban centres, attract um, top tech and professional services firms from around the world because that's what they're looking for more in an urban centre. You know, we at Halifax Partnership, we service all of HRM, so are keenly aware, and and our uh, municipal councillors, all 16 of them, remind us uh, of that imperative. Um, One way that we're stepping up to that challenge, you know, coming up into this next fiscal year, is working with our colleagues at Discover Halifax, who are responsible for tourism promotion for HRM, is that we're hiring between us Two new uh, resources in in economic development to work exclusively in rural HRM, to be able to connect the dots between opportunities throughout rural HRM, and to make sure that we're being strategic around where we could, where we can really put our our muscle um, and and resources behind. So we're really looking forward to um, having these individuals in play, and they will be. you know, 95% of their time physically located in rural HRM. What we heard from all of the engagement sessions that we held leading into the economic strategy is that we have untapped potential in rural HRM, and we're up to that challenge to make sure that we're tapping that, that potential. But something that was so interesting to me as we engaged in these conversations in the strategic plan context was just how many of the challenges of rural HRM are shared within suburban and urban. So we heard about ha- access to housing, access to talent. Usually how it would come up is something like, unlike an urban HRM, here in rural, we really have a problem with transportation linkages. But we'd be hearing that exact same theme in in urban Halifax. So, um, that's our task now to address some of these big rocks. Um, but we're doing that through some increased resourcing in rural.
0: One of the, uh, differentiations of the partnership has been, um, the, the focus on performance measurement and the use of metrics. It's one of the things that, uh, both David and I agree that all economic development, uh, organizations should be held to some account on a measurable, uh, uh, performance metrics, obviously. <laughs> the partnership recently uh, com- uh, completed its most recent five-year strategy. I'd like to take a look back on the goals of five years ago. I think that's a useful place to start before we look at your new strategy. And tell us, you know, uh, let's, let's review the partnership's achievement over the last five years. Let's do that.
2: I'd love to, Don I knew you and David. Would. <laughs> love to. So well, wow, what a different place. Yes. HRM is now than it was when our dear colleague Matt Hebb with Dalhousie University chaired the advisory committee of the 2016-2021 growth plan. That strategy was labeled intentionally a growth plan because, boy, oh boy, did we need growth. The Ivany report had just come out. We had stagnant, if not declining, population. We were bleeding young people, and we were somewhat facing this demographic precipice in terms of we needed to do something very differently to turn around our our fate for for our future. So. Halifax Partnership and all of our partners have been working very hard through the last five years to turn that ship around. And effort combined with global forces, most notably the rise of the mid sized city in terms of the traction of people and talent globally, which was accelerated through COVID as people are thinking deeply about how they want to spend their lives decisions that they were making you know when sometime in the future i'm going to move to nova scotia and i'm going to live a different lifestyle for myself and my family those were kicked into high gear and we've seen that in terms of our population growth so the the goals that were set back for 2016 were stretch ambitious audacious targets we never really knew, thought that we might be able to meet them, but we knew if we didn't aim high, then we wouldn't have a hope. So to share some of those targets, you know, we were, we were looking at, um, population, you know, to reach a goal, um, of 470, Thousand people by 2021, thinking we would come nowhere close. Well, we didn't quite hit it, but we're moving in the right direction, just north of 460,000. So that's within reach. We're, you know, we're achieving around 10,000 a year now, new people. So we're getting within striking distance of that. GDP a little bit more of a lag, not helped by COVID but certainly moving in the right direction. Um, And a lot of the, so those are the quantitative goals. Um, In terms of the programming side, you know, incredibly proud of some of the initiatives that have been stood up over the last five years that were called for in, um, in the 2016, 2021 strategy. I would say top of that list for me is the African Nova Scotian Road to Economic Prosperity Action Plan. This was something that was called for in the last strategy and now uh, is vibrant and alive and growing and the first of its kind in Canada. Another is our Cell Halifax program, our Connector Plus program. So we're really moving from this reality of um, desperate to get people here. Um, We still are, but for a very different reason because our companies are growing, new companies are coming and we're desperate for the talent to to service that growth. Uh
0: I just want to just quick follow up. Uh, one of the programs that has been successful is your connector program. I know that other jurisdictions have uh, have been adopting this. Uh, uh just uh, maybe just for our listeners you could uh describe what that program is all about.
2: Yeah, thank you Don. So the connector programs we're in about 13 years in now and uh It's been going strong thanks to the support of the province of Nova Scotia and RBC, who believed in this program early on. It's an intentional networking, professional networking program to help recent grads and newcomers grow their professional networks. Started here in Halifax, but now it's been expanded throughout the region, across Canada and around the world, all managed out of our office here and supported out of our office here with partners in each of those jurisdictions. So we have in a run of any year, it's five hundred uh, connectees that are connect uh, that are introduced to uh, a cadre of connectors who are professionals in our community, not necessarily just CEOs, but people of all levels. And in fact, and the feedback that I've received from especially recent graduates is that you know they they take a lot from talking. To you, Don, or you, David, but they really need to talk to someone five years their junior, their senior, or three years their senior, where they can see their next step. So the purpose of this program is really just to build professional networks because that's so much what the job market is here in Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada. But because that is the essence of our job market, it it has resulted in about half of participants, half of connectees, securing jobs in their area of study or professional interest and background, which is truly remarkable. And what we're seeing is this this, uh, current climate and the race for talent, it's really turning the need of this program on its head. Because at its inception, it was, how can we in the business community and government uh, as professionals, how can we help with a a hand up to our new, new newcomers and our recent grads? Um, it's the right thing to do to help them build their network and be successful. Well, now it, almost every meeting I have with a business leader or CEO is around how can they tap into this program to help connect their organizations with with top talent, talent looking for the next opportunity or new opportunity. And we've seen some uh, shifts through this pandemic of who is coming and enrolling into the Connector program. Um more senior people, individuals coming from across Canada in senior roles, who uh, many of whom they have sold homes in Toronto or elsewhere. They have quite a runway. They maybe don't need to work right now, but they want to be connected to their community. So we're seeing more and more senior professionals coming into the Connector program. And I encourage your uh, your listeners to look into it on HalifaxPartnership.com to register either as a Connector or a Connectee in the program. And we've been able to leverage technology and working with the provincial government to launch Connector Plus, which is doing some of this matching work, but using technology through an app. And that Uh, that is helping us further expand to go from hundreds to thousands of individuals each year.
1: So Don mentioned earlier your new five-year strategy or the new five-year economic development strategy for council, which was recently endorsed by the council. Before we talk about what you're trying to accomplish in that plan, can you tell us a little bit about the process you use to develop that new strategic plan?
2: Yeah, thanks, David. So This is the fourth such plan we have stood up with Halifax Regional Municipality. And early days of the pandemic, you know, myself and Corey Bell, who's the vice chair of our board with Lindsay Construction and chairs the advisory committee of the economic strategy. You know, we're discussing what really needs to be in here. What are the the top key topics? that our economy and our business leaner, uh, leaders are thinking about now. And this is how you mentioned this at the outset. Housing, transportation, logistics, and econ- uh, green economy, climate action came to the fore. As when I was asking many of our leaders, uh, government and private sector leaders, you know, what's top of mind? Again and again and again, those three pillars were raised. So in terms of the development, we struck an advisory committee chaired by Corey Bell. We had uh, incredible support and collaboration of CAO Jacques Dubé, who tapped many of his staff among all variety of line items within HRM um, to help do the work to stand up this plan um, with oversight from our board of directors we stood up three working groups with experts to tackle attainable housing, transportation, logistics, green economy from an economic development lens. And what was really top of mind for Corey and I was how do we bring these conversations particular well for all three housing. This is not, this is not just only a social issue. If we can't increase our supply of housing at pace, we can't continue to retain and attract talent. We can't continue to retain and attract business. And it was important for us that we lent our voice to that economic imperative. Similarly with transportation, especially right before the pandemic, many of our significant employers were having challenges getting their staff to and from work in a sustainable way. And then in terms of green economy, Mayor and Council had approved Halifax, our city's very ambitious climate action plan, first of its kind in Canada, really probably the most ambitious. And how do we look at that opportunity through an economic development and a business lens? So how are we mobilizing the private sector to take advantage of this policy statement. And so with those three working groups, they fed into the plan. And then through surveys, through engagement sessions with various groups, including our African Nova Scotia communities, including various rural communities, we engaged with over 2,500 business and community leaders and residents to feed into the plan that was approved by Mayor and Council last week. And Uh, and launched on Monday and I'm incredibly incredibly proud of the staff team that did the work to stand this up between ourselves and HRM as well as and this is really the first time that we've done that in-house without external consultants but we did have help with some of our investor partners so the the beautiful piece that you see online and some of some of that uh uh, the wording around this is thanks to National Public Relations and with help from Fire Inside Leadership and McKenzie Strategies that helped us structure some of our engagement sessions. So that is uh, that is how the plan came together.
1: It certainly is uh, an ambitious plan. And I think it's probably one of the broadest plans in terms of scope that I've seen. Uh, you even have the the word inclusive in the title of the plan, we want to talk a little bit about those key three key themes, people, planet and prosperity. Let's start with population goals. So um, I did notice in the plan, you have a goal of 2037 of 650,000. I guess the first question for you is why did you pick uh, 2037? And do you have shorter term goals? Do you have like a five year goal uh, target population goal?
2: Yeah, thanks, David. So, uh, and I also, I want to stress the point of the intersectionality between all of these themes that we're talking about, whether it be people, planet, prosperity, whether it be housing, transportation, and green economy, um, all of these items touch on each other. So, we'll, I'll endeavor to speak to that here in my comments. So, for the goal, 650000 <clears> we picked the year, 2037. This is a five-year stretch from the last strategy's longer-term quantitative vision. So that's how we we kind of continued to, we wanted to move the yardstick at that same time band into the future, continue to set our sights further and higher in terms of our growth ambitions. Because this is a strategy that has a five-year time span, we also set Five-year goals and those population goals um, for this five-year period are around increasing the population to five hundred and twenty-five thousand by twenty twenty-seven, which is the time frame of this particular strategy, and the growing our labor force to three hundred and ten thousand. The importance on inclusivity it touches across all of our work on this strategy. But as it pertains to population growth and especially this race for talent, we have grown tremendously in our prosperity as a municipality over the last five years, but not all communities have benefited equally in this prosperity. We have, in one case, you know, employers who cannot find enough talent in another communities that are really not attached to the laborer. Force. They don't hear about opportunities. They don't feel that those opportunities are there for them. So, as an example to address that, just coming out of the last strategy, we we stood up the African Nova Scotia Connector Program, which acknowledges that challenge that these communities who have been in H R M for over four hundred years don't even have the same access from an employment standpoint to those of us who have been here for. 21 years or less. So how are we being really intentional to close that gap? And that, and that's, that's absolutely essential if we're going to continue to grow and meet those talent demands that we have. We need everybody contributing. Um, so that's the piece on uh, the, um, the talent that we're so excited about. And the whole world is having the same challenge. And we can be leaders in that here in Halifax and because of how closely we work with so many partners.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, in that case, it's a win-win. It's an intersection between that community's economic opportunity, but also the community's need to build a workforce. Uh, So I think I applaud those efforts. I I wanted to ask you a little bit about housing. You talked about it earlier. Uh, It's obviously a big issue, not just in Halifax, but across Atlantic Canada. But how is the partnership, addressing the issue of availability of housing but also affordability of housing because typically compared to the larger urban centers halifax has been quite competitive but those uh, that differential starting to squeeze a bit uh, even a place like montreal now is pretty competitive with halifax on on the price of real estate so uh, how is the partnership addressing this challenge
2: so as i as i mentioned a few moments ago a part of addressing it was was noting it as a, clearly noting it as an issue for economic growth and prosperity. And the private sector has an incredible and important role to play in helping those who regulate housing, mainly Halifax Regional Municipality, and now more and more of the province and the feds who just came in a big way in this budget to, to make sure that all all of these players are working together to identify where the barriers actually are and what's within our control to release them. So this is everything from um, pace of approvals within HRM, and HRM has continued to resource staff up to be able to speed that up to uh, zoning issues that pr- that are archaic in in some parts of HRM Uh, they don't foster complete communities and our counselors are hard at work now making changes to those so for us it's really our role as a convener to make sure these conversations are being had it was a big focus of our conversation with Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland yesterday and we had a number of builders and developers sitting front and center to contribute to this conversation um and also making sure that our government partners who really directly regulate uh, housing know the impacts of the challenge. Because we are hearing, I hear from leaders every day, that they are having a challenge keeping pace with their hiring goals because their new talent who are moving here from elsewhere can't find viable places to live. So that means it's delaying them physically getting here within Halifax. It's meaning some of them are living in Airbnbs for the course of time, and this has an impact on these businesses' choices. And I just want to stress here that we co-develop and co-implement Halifax's economic strategy with HRM. Of the 73 actions they own, over half of them, most of those actions do land in housing. So the five-year objective, as stated in the plan, is increase housing stock. And the specific actions over year one and two, their actions 21 to 26, fall mostly within the purview of HRM. And we had two of HRM's uh, leaders... On our attainable housing working group, Kelly Denty and Eric Lucich, who lead these files within HRM. So we had their expertise along with the private sector leaders in housing and development to come up with these goals. Um, but where Halifax Partnership plays a role specifically on these actions where we co lead, we're looking to create a, a dashboard so that we can show our public as well as interested parties, such as. Um, companies that are looking to come to Halifax and are hearing about the some housing shortages to show them in real time where the new developments are coming on and just how on stream and how significant those are. Um, again, the convening of private and public sector players to make sure that we continue to keep at pace and um, continuing to assess municipal and provincial policy changes to... Um, to help facilitate that housing affordability and one of those that was made possible through some recent provincial government changes is in inclusionary zoning um, and uh and helping um, with some of that that policy review through our research team so those are some of the ways that we're con- going to continuing to push on the housing supply side piece because it's absolutely critical
0: uh Wendy one of the things that I've noted uh in the population growth is that the uh, we the population is getting younger in Halifax as a result of the population growth. One of the reasons for that is that uh, we're we're attract we're what we're retaining first of all most importantly we're retaining younger people better than ever but we're also attracting younger people uh people better than ever. Can you tell us about the trends with regard to the success in attracting and retaining younger people? I know you've tracked this number.
2: A big shout out to our post-secondary institutions because they are an incredible big part of the engine and the draw to attract uh, young people from over 180 countries around the world here to Halifax and Nova Scotia. And now um, the effort is to keep those young, talented people here we've had increasing success. Really, you know, success builds on success and people attract and keep people. So as we grow our diaspora communities and various nationalities, as we continue to attract dynamic businesses here, we've had 21 new Companies that we've worked with move uh, to Halifax through uh, the last year. Um, together, they're hiring over 2,300 new employees. The growth of some of our homegrown companies, I'll give a big shout out to Redspace and Dash Hudson as two shining examples. It's making a clear path for these young people to stay. And I would I hear every day stories of, of parents, you know, my colleagues, who are saying their children are now, you know, they are, they were always planning to go away, and now they're not leaving our city because of the opportunities that are here, not only, you know, for immediate employment, but what's that long-term career trajectory? And um, had this conversation with a young person right after our launch on on. on Uh, Monday, she'd moved away and come back um, because she always thought that she needed to go elsewhere to advance. And she's come back because now we're in a situation, we're in this privileged situation uh, as a community where you can can stay here and and build your own career here. To me, I, I feel incredibly grateful for the path I've had. I truly believe I have had a more interesting and dynamic career journey so far than if I had stayed in a much bigger municipality of Vancouver because I moved here to Halifax. And it's it's getting that message out of optimism. And more and more now we have people moving here or inquiring about moving here that have no ties here directly. That was never the case before. They're curious. We're we're hitting the charts, you know, top. Place to Live in Canada by McLean's in 2021, and we're getting more unsolicited inquiries than ever before from talent and from business about what their opportunities are here. So it's this flywheel that is uh, really uh, accelerating our success, and that's why we believe that we will be able to hit ever more ambitious targets because this success is continuing to drive the success, especially with the attraction and retention of young people.
0: The second uh, the second goal uh, that you have uh, in your plan is related to planet and making Halifax a better place to live and work with uh, 20 initiatives on climate change, increasing access to arts culture and natural assets as well as making uh, the movement of people and goods easier. Can you provide some specific examples of the kinds of strategies that uh, are included under this goal Wendy
2: yeah, thanks, Don. So, most of these actions um, fall under HRM's direct purview. Everything from a uh, multi year streetscaping plan to standing up Halifax, and that's um, the actual funding of Halifax. The climate action strategy is at, at council now and going for approval. Yesterday, in in this fiscal's budget, um, so many of those actions fall under HRM's purview. And for your listeners who are interested in the action plan, those are actions fifty three to seventy three, three of the uh, years one and two. Some things that we're doing specifically Halifax Partnership within um, under the Planet piece is a standing up a green clean foreign direct investment strategy. So we're looking to leverage these policy and funding commitments from government, both municipi- from our municipality and our, our provincial government um, in attracting new companies in the uh, clean tech space here to Halifax and Nova Scotia more broadly. We're doing that in partnership with Nova Scotia Business Inc. and many partners. We are adding a... Um, Uh, green economy stream and focus to the connector program that we just spoke about, uh, the power of the, of the connector program, professional connections, our colleagues in the clean tech space are telling us the acute talent shortages now that will continue to grow year after year based on ongoing investments in, in clean and green technology, everything from deep energy retrofits, um, to, uh, Electrification and other interventions, and so making sure that our newcomers and young talent know about the opportunities um, in in green jobs. And a shout out to the Clean Foundation; they're doing exceptional work on this, and their their provincial mandates So we're working closely with them and taking their guidance on making that happen. And really about putting some money where our mouths are around Halifax and our our. Com- commitment to climate action, which shows up as a key value proposition in our economic strategy right at the outset. Talent and business are choosing to locate and align with their values more than ever before. And people and companies are mobile. So when we're pitching global companies to move to Halifax, They want to know how we're truly living these values and these statements, especially around uh, climate. Um, And so to be able to clearly demonstrate how we're keeping ourselves accountable for our greenhouse gas emissions, uh, how we're being very transparent about our progress and and plan to be over the next five five years of this plan and even longer is the timeline for Halifax That is a key value, will be a key value proposition for our city if we can actually show results. So as a result of that, we're committed to show results. And I'll share here, we're also standing up a CEO Climate Action Charter and are are in conversations with with uh, CEOs of major employers throughout Nova Scotia to join us on on this commitment, so that we can con- um, so that we can bring others along on what this means to uh, to demonstrate climate action as as private sector players.
1: The third pillar is your prosperity goal, and it's focused on increasing the GDP to 25 billion by 2027. Can you tell us what the average annual GDP growth rate will be needed to achieve this goal?
2: Yes, and it has us, uh, thanks, David. It really has us sustaining our best year ever, year after year after year, and our best year ever was 2019. We took a bit of a hit through COVID. However, our dip was the least severe of any municipality in Canada, so we're getting back on we're getting back on track. So our single single highest annual growth rate was four point nine percent. That was re, rebounding out of COVID, um, and in order to hit uh, that target, we need two point nine percent year-over-year year to hit those targets set out for 2037. So is it is it a stretch goal? Yes. Can we do it? Yes. If we're all working together, and it will require some transformational change in our economy, and that will absolutely include some um, significant investment and innovation in the climate space and in energy because you don't get GDP growth of 2.9% by resting on your laurels. So we have to be very, very active in in promoting that growth.
1: So the interesting thing is before 2008, uh, Nova Scotia as a province routinely had GDP growth in, a, in excess of 2% per year, but it requires its main engine, which is uh, Halifax, to grow above that, right? Because if your main engine is not exceeding 2%, so I think that 2.9, I appreciate that it is an ambitious goal, but I think it will be necessary to meet the province's uh, objective of getting its economy overall back to a sustainable level of economic growth. So I think you guys at, at 2.9 or 3 is going to be necessary to get the province back up to 2. So I think that's, that's really uh, impressive. You've talked a lot about some of the ways you're going to get there, workforce and so on, but are there any other key strategies you'd like to mention to help achieve that goal?
2: So David, I just want to capture a point you just made about Halifax's place in the region. So if Halifax is successful, Atlantic Canada will be successful. And if Atlantic Canada is successful, Halifax is going to be successful. So we are the economic engine for the region, but we require the whole region not just Nova Scotia, the whole region to be successful. And we are allies. We are not competing against Moncton or anywhere else in Atlantic Canada, but we do have the ability to really drive economic growth throughout Atlantic Canada. And, and, and we intent, we take that role very seriously. And as one concrete example, Halifax through Halifax partnership sits on the consider Canada cities Alliance. It's the, um, the consortium of major municipalities across Canada working in IAFDI. We are the only municipality in Atlantic Canada with representation there at that national table. And we, but we, you know, we have Atlantic Canada in mind when we move that forward in terms of strategies. Um, top of the list is talent. Right now in our current environment, business follows talent. If we can get the talent here, the business will follow. If we can get the talent here, our homegrown businesses and the businesses we attract here will grow. And so we just stood up our Living in Halifax toolkit on the halifaxpartnership.com website. I encourage your listeners to use that when they're recruiting for um, talent from outside of Nova Scotia, um, or to remind um, their their local workforce who are homegrown here, just what an incredible asset and lifestyle we have right here at home and living in, in this beautiful part of the world uh, where we do. Um, so, that is a shift. I would say, even for us, we've always focused on talent. I mentioned the Connector Program um, and others. Uh, we work with uh, several uh, immigration programs, including the Atlantic Immigration Program, to help companies uh, attract uh, em- employers from, or employment employees from around the world. Um, but it has never been more important. And so, as we're looking up to stand up a. Em- Uh, talent strategy for Halifax, we are going to need everyone's assistance, especially the private sector, in really honing in on what the challenges are and and how we can continue to grow that pipeline. It is not lost on me that our investor community, who is struggling to attract and retain the talent they need to grow, are maybe scratching their heads when I... celebrate the 21 companies who are coming here and are going to employ 2,300 more workers. Um, there is lots of room to grow the pie, but we do need to make sure that we're attracting talent from throughout the, the world. And some of these employers who are moving here are making the, the really important point. They, Many of them, they're bringing their own talent with them. They're attracting staff from their head offices elsewhere. They are working closely with us to attract uh, immigrants from around the world to come and populate their workforce, which just grows the talent pool here in Halifax and beyond. So, top of the heat.
1: So, I appreciate you saying that because I think there's always this tension. When you have a tightening labor market, local businesses will come to you and say, we don't attract any more industry. But it's really hard to have a dynamic, growing uh, urban center without investment attraction. So you need to right. do both and you need to make sure you have the talent. So I do, I do appreciate that. Um, this next question was put in by Don Mills, former business owner, current business investor, quite concerned about taxes and tax rates. Uh, and of course, in the last few years, uh, property tax bills, because of the increase in assess- assessments, property tax bills have been increasing faster than the rate of inflation. Don would like to know how you're going to ensure a competitive tax regime moving forward.
2: Thank you, David. We also are keeping a, a close eye on a competitive tax regime. So when we are out selling Halifax, often when we're looking to attract a new company here, we are this is often a competitive process against other jurisdictions. Our chief economist Ian Monroe and his research team are putting to helping put together bid response packages to talk about these very issues. So we work closely with our colleagues at HRM um, to, as a a feed in of the information that we have, what we're hearing from the hundreds of existing businesses that we work with and those that we're the dozens that we're looking to bring here. um, And also joining them in their conversations with the province, around getting that latitude within the provincial municipal agreements to look at these tax potential tax changes. Um, A lot of that um, latitude or ability to change tax regimes fall within the provincial government's mandate to grant that to municipalities. So those are the conversations that are underway now but being led by HRM,
0: uh, Wendy, we're almost uh, at the end of our uh, list here. We do have a couple other questions if you don't mind, just uh, to conclude. Uh, I'd like to uh, start by asking you, what are the partners' partnerships' key act, uh, priorities for the next twelve months?
2: So the key priorities are to stand up and resource the economic strategy, years one and two action plans that were just approved. Don, you mentioned at the outset the importance of metrics and accountability. We have a, a scorecard, our, our, our business plan for each year that is, uh, has an accompanying scorecard that we present to the board at every single Halifax Partnership board meeting. We also present that up through community planning and economic development standing committee of regional council and marin council to show how we're progressing on the goals that we set so in advance of the economic strategy being approved we uh, we did uh, receive approval on on our scorecard that is based on this plan for this fiscal year so top priorities are exactly as you see here in bringing those actions to life. And we have specific metrics that that line up with all of them. What we're seeking our partners, private sector and public sector and post-secondary partners input on is what is the most efficient and effective way to get from action to the measurement that we look to see. And as one example, Halifax's talent strategy, that's the work that we're starting now, is okay, we know what the challenge is, we know what kind of goals, we've set goals here, and we've set some targets in terms of how many program by program by program, connector program, connector plus, and all of our various initiatives, um, and uh, and that's where we're going to be seeking all of our stakeholders' inputs about what is the best way to get from A to B, um, because, and... I say the private sector in most cases know best because they're living it. So as you see here, it's talent attraction retention, business attraction retention, um, and uh, standing up our well-being metric, which um, is the the metric that encompasses the making Halifax an excellent place to live and work, strategic goal of of the five year plan, and we're setting that. Um, that baseline here. And, and to me, that part was so important. This is really um, a, a, a new-ish metric in, in um, subjective well-being that is becoming uh, popular around the world, particularly in Europe. Uh, we are early adopters, I would say, in Halifax to take this seriously. And we have engaged Nova Scotia and Davis Pier, United Way Halifax, And others who are helping us think about what we do in this realm. But it's really making the commitment to, you know, why do we do economic development? We do economic development and we care about growing prosperity in HRM because ultimately it's for the residents here. It's ultimately so people live better lives. We come at it through. Job growth and through business growth. Um, But how are we holding ourselves accountable to this growing prosperity, actually making a difference in people's quality of life? And so that's going to be a big piece too, is baseline metric being created this year. And what does our progress say about how we're managing this growth that we're experiencing now? How do we hold ourselves accountable? So when the three of us are having this chat in five years time, we are Wildly proud of what we've been able to achieve together th- over this five-year period. Uh,
0: one of the things you might want to consider is what business often uses, called a Net pr- Promoter Score. You know, the uh, which is a good way of, uh, you know, the people that would recommend Halifax as a place to live and work.
2: <laughs> I love but- that, and we <laughs> we capture some of that in our metric, but. I will take that back to the team. Thanks so much, Don.
0: (laughs) It's clear that Halifax is on a great trajectory and has significant momentum. Uh, What concerns, if any, do you have that might prevent the current success of the city going forward?
2: So if I were to have one concern, it's that we do not Fully take advantage of this incredibly privileged position that we are in right now, at as we, um, as we've been able to manage, for the most part, through COVID, better for so many reasons, and in large part because who we are as a people and community than many places around the world. How are we taking our privileged position that we're growing, that? Businesses are coming here. Talent is flocking here. People want to stay. They want to build their lives here. How do we use that momentum to tackle these growing pains? Because this growth that we've experienced, there are absolutely challenges, but with the growth comes the better ability to tackle those challenges. And that—that that is the moment in time that we're at now I believe this ex- economic strategy speaks directly to that. Um, but I take solace in that all of the, so many key players, government and private sector, are taking action now. And when you we have many examples around North America. I would say my hometown of Vancouver is one. There are many others that the growth kept, ongoing maybe long before the systems even endeavored to catch up in terms of housing and transportation most notably in terms of social well-being what does this mean for the population what does this mean for our culture the essence of who we are and that's where I you know I have comfort comfort and optimism that Uh, Our leaders are taking these issues very, very seriously, very seriously is keeping them up at night. And you've already seen there's policy and programming already coming to the fore very, very quickly to address these challenges. And some of them are relatively new, you know, in the last five years. So that's what gives me great optimism that will continue to shine and will continue to be a place that people want to live and work and, Dawn, to your point, are excited to share their enthusiasm with others, to recommend others to come and, and consider Halifax.
1: Wendy, it's been great to have you on the Insights Podcast to discuss the success of the Halifax Partnership and the five new strategy for HRM. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: David and Don. what a pleasure. Enjoy your day. Be so well.
0: Thanks, Wendy.
1: You've been listening to the latest episode of the Huddle
0: Insights Podcast. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show and listen to past episodes on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week. This episode of Insights was brought to you by MNP Digital, a firm that guides, protects, and empowers organizations along their digital journey. See how at mnpdigital.ca.